Podcast, the show about all things related to food and fitness. Follow the show on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at food.fitnesspodcast. We are your hosts, Jessica White, Jackie Vandertoon, and Dave Marshall. On today's podcast, we have local food champion, Gary Skin. Gary is an advocate for local, fresh, and nutritious food movement in Orangeville. He is very community-minded. He is the manager of the Orangeville Farmers Market, Orangeville Blues and Jazz Operations Manager, and owner of Gary's Urban Farms. He also is a recent award recipient of the 2020 Town of Orangeville's Environmental Sustainability Awards. So Gary, congratulations on your award, um, and thanks for joining us on the show today. Thank you for having me. So let's start things off um, with some of the basics. So can you share with those of us who aren't familiar with the lingo, uh, what exactly is urban farming? Uh, It's just kind of a new moniker, I guess. But for me, it's uh, grow food on any viable spot you have from its, if it's your balcony to your front yard, to your side yard, um, and and just try to grow as much food as, as you possibly can with the time constraints that uh, you know, a busy life allows. I, I'm kind of fortunate enough where uh, my two main positions, uh, my two sources of income are kind of a, a stay-at-home jobs. So I get to be at home quite a bit and uh, look after my gardens. But yeah, essentially it's grow as much food in any viable space that you can. I love it. So can you share, like, what sparked your interest um, to start urban farming? I mean, it's not something where it would come across someone's mind just to start digging things up or is this more than a home garden and how how far did you take it uh well we've we've just recently moved but my old place was is kind of a kind of a famous place where if i told people my address they're like oh you're that place um i think i know which one it is yeah so um it started back before i even had a house um you know, obviously 9-11 happened and the fallout from 9-11 happened. I kind of got angry with the world and I was like, but I need to do something. I, you know, protesting is, that's not really my thing. Um, and then I just kind of got onto the idea that you got to think globally and act locally and you know, what, what can I do? And, and for me, it was, um, I can grow my own food. Um, I can get involved in my community, start community gardens. Um, you know, it, I, I want to see, more food grown uh, across people, you know, in front yards, balconies, and, and, and we're seeing it. it. Obviously, with when COVID kicked in last year, you know, the amount of people that started gardening, it, it just it went through the roof. Um, and, and, and again, it's continuing this year. Um, I don't know if you're aware, but the town of Orangeville did a, a program this year where you, you provided $50, uh, and then town gave you some soil, some, some lumber, and a little bit of gardening advice and started a little Facebook group. But they had 93 people sign up. Like that's that to me, that's huge. 93 people who most of them haven't gardened before um, started gardening. And, and, you know, and then they, st- they created this little group um, and, and now they're sharing ideas on Facebook and pictures and stuff like that. But uh, that to me, it was, it was, it was about doing something to positive in the world to, to change things. Uh, you know, you can only boycott Walmart, Walmart so much. Right. So <laughs> So would you say that urban gardening and, or sorry, urban farming and gardening are interchangeable titles or are we talking different things on different scales? Um, so, so there's gardening and that's been around for a long time, but farming is kind of where you, you kind of take it to the next level and, and you're, you're, you're growing a, a lot of food and you try to grow. For me, I was, 
my old place, uh, I, I was probably somewhere about 30, 35% of my total food consumption over the year was grown on my property. Uh, you know, it kind of kept going up and up and up and, you know, we moved, so it's gone back down, but it, it you know, it, it's already going up this year. We've got, I've expanded and I'll keep on expanding, expanding. Um, but yeah, it's trying to grow as much as you can. And, you know, you think, uh, I remember I, I had a chat with some Mennonites, uh, you know, a few years ago and I asked them like, so you guys try to grow as much food as possible. Like when it's the, the end of January, what are you eating? And, and, and they're, the answer was apples and potatoes, <laughs> you know, yeah, that's what they're eating, you know, in January. So I'm like, okay, what can I do? So I, I grow a lot of apples and, you know, I, I'm not a huge potato guy, but I grow some potatoes. Um, but yeah, I grow, you know, I, I freeze things, dehydrate things, you know, it's, it, it, and I'm still learning. Like that's, that's the beauty of it and, and trying new things. So. I, I love it. I, I'm a huge community advocate. I come from a very small town and when I talk small town, it's, you can't even find it on Google maps. Like that's how small it is. And one of the things I loved about it was we had a community garden and we just each went down and just, you know, cleaned out the garden and planted. But what I loved about it is if you didn't have any money, nobody cared. You just went in and you picked, like if you needed some potatoes, you just dug some potatoes for your family. So I love that sense of community that you were talking about. How do you see, and I love what Orangeville is doing as well, how do you see or do you see some community and urban gardening kind of come together? Is that something that's possible? Because in my mind, I see urban as big city towers with people kind of in their own silos. So do you see anything where they kind of can meld together? Yeah, yeah, I, definitely. I, I think it, it, it's expanding. So I was involved in getting the community garden and orchard um, going in, in Orangeville, um, you know, we have well over a hundred food bearing trees there. there. There's raspberries, there, there's herbs galore. You know, obviously you can plant things. There's the stuff for the food bank, but, but it goes beyond that. Like uh, there, there's people that are, you know, like for me planting stuff where they probably not supposed to plant stuff, but uh, we're doing it anyways. Like I, you know, planting along, walkways and stuff like that and, and sharing with the community because uh you know a, a little part of me worries in the future that you know should any kind of pandemic happen where there's economic collapse or anything like that so there's going to be some people that are going to struggle and you know having a few apples can go a long way for some people uh, you know we're most of us are fortunate enough not to have to worry about that but there there is quite a few people that have to worry about where their next meal is coming from and, and um, you know, the, the food bank does grow a row, uh, share a row. I can't remember the exact term that they use, but, uh, um, and, and lots of people are doing it and they're, they're sharing with the community. They're, you know, one of the best parts about my garden is well, the, at the previous place was, it was right there on the corner. The amount of people I talked to, um, just like, you know, because of you, my kid wants to grow a garden or, or I have a kid that walks past and say, I love your raspberries, you know, like. That's the type of thing that, you know, is that, that be the change, you know, it's that ripple in the pond. I, there, there's, there's that pebble goes in and next thing you know, you know, I, if I get, if I spark an interest in 10 people growing more food, then I think I've done a, a good job. So I, I, I love it. We planted zucchinis in my friend yard last year 
And I actually wanted people to pick them because we have a deck and I like sitting out and talking to people. So <laughs> I should have put a sign out and said, help yourself. You know how zucchinis are, right? Zucchini, everybody has them. And when you have them, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> Gary, what are some current trends and markets for urban farming concepts that you've seen? Um, well, I, I think definitely uh, it's taken off. Like, so that, that's the biggest trend is it, it, it's really taking off, uh, which is great. Um, you know, people are doing that. They've learned, you know, you can grow a lot of food in a little space. It's not the traditional grandma and grandpa garden. Um, you know, the, there's the square foot gardening. There's, um, it's called, there's another term, spin farming um, so, so there's also, there's lots of terms and there's lots of people out there doing YouTube videos and there's books and there, there's a lot out there, um, to digest. And, and before I had a house, um, I've grabbed those books and I've read, watched those videos and I, you know, I, I immersed myself in that. And then when I got my house, you know, it started off with a, a little garden and just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And, you know, people were like, what is this guy doing? You know, you know. I, I put raspberries right down the sidewalks and um, you know, I got grapes hanging down right beside, right beside the sidewalks. And uh, you know, I took over the boulevards growing uh, mint and you know, they, they, there's, there's lots of, there's lots of things out there that you can kind of delve into. Um, but I, I think the biggest thing is that it, it more and more people are doing it each and every year. Um, and I think that's great. That's, that's music to my ears. Love it. And you do mention something about uh, like YouTube and videos and all that kind of stuff. And um, I'm a huge foodie, something that I've always enjoyed. And I do track um, certain channels and some of them come up and you see people who've moved into a new condo building. For example, there's a, a couple who live in BC and their building has rooftop gardens and that's how the building was designed. And I, I think that's fantastic. So like a storage shed in the basement, these people have gardens upstairs um, on the rooftop and some of them don't use it. So they'll let their neighbors use it. Next thing you know, one couple has three different plots and they're growing all this stuff and different cities. We've been uh, to a couple of places in Europe and yeah, they're putting beehives um, on top of uh, rooftops and they're putting gardens on top of them. And I love the fact that it's closing the gap of food. Um, it's making people, closer to where their food comes from uh, and it's getting people more involved in it, which I think people appreciate a lot more. Yeah, definitely. I, you know, the, the whole rooftop gardening thing, there, there's a whole market out there that is waiting to be tapped and it's just, it's just starting to be tapped. You can see there's a company, a grocery store in Montreal that they're growing their greens on top of their root. Like that's just a yeah. great idea to grow your, the vegetables that you're going to sell below you. I, I think that's just, there's brilliant. I'd like to see more of it. And there's lots of people that are out there that have, you know, shipping containers that they converted into, you know, microgreens and, and, and yeah, hydroponic farms. Yeah. And yeah. there's lots of, there's so much out there that it can be a little overwhelming. That there's that much out there, but yeah, there's, there's lots of information on, on YouTube and, you know, you hit Google and, and yeah, there's, there's lots of, and I, and I, I've got my own books that I referenced that I, I've picked out over the years um, that I kind of, that, you know, I don't want everything in here. I got to look in a book and, and, and it helps me out. And, uh, yeah, if you, if you get stuck on something, just yeah, Google it and, and there, there's the answer will come up. Yeah. And I think it's amazing and it's really surprising too, but, um, just the amount of yield that you get growing in a small space. Mm -hmm. So I have a fairly small, um, in town piece of 
all property. Um, and I did um, raised garden boxes last year. So it was the first year that I really started doing more gardening at my own house. And my parents have been gardening for years. They have like probably a 20 by 40 foot plot that they um, rototill and plant and that's their garden. So last year, my dad was, every time I went to go visit, he's like, Oh, do you want some peas? Do you want some beans? I know you don't have, like, you don't have that much in your garden. I'm like, actually, I probably have just as much in my garden that you do. Um, but I'm doing it vertically and it's a huge uh, space saver. But I was actually really surprised by the amount of food that I could grow in such a small space. Um, so what, what do you think, um, obviously we've talked about how, um, you know, everything is expanding, but what do you think is the future of urban farming? Uh, I think more municipalities are going to get involved in it. Like what, with what Orangeville did this year and having uh, a program where 93 people sign up to grow a garden and they, they're like, well, it was such a huge success. Obviously we're going to try it again next year. And, and I think they got the idea from Brampton who did it last year, who probably got it from another place. It's just going to keep on going. Like there's, um, you know, now in Orangeville, you can have backyard chickens if you want um, and, and things like that. It's just going to keep, I hope, keep on, on, on growing. Um, when people see that, you know, the uh, pandemic was a little bit of a wake up call that, uh, you know, I, I want to be a little bit more connected to my food so that maybe when I go to that grocery store, I don't have to, to worry so much. Um, you know, it was kind of unfortunate last year was our, our first full summer in our house. And I'm like, oh, what a year to leave the, you know, because our, our old house was, you know, I had a freezer full of raspberries all year, all season long. Like I'm picking the next seasons and I still have raspberries from the, the last season. Um, and I was like, oh, what a year to, to move. But, um, you know, I, I worked hard on expanding it. And then hopefully this winter, uh, I'll have a, a freezer full of raspberries again and a freezer full of strawberries and, and and tomatoes and peppers and things like that. Um, but yeah, it, it's the, the growth of it can, I hope keeps going and going and, and, and you know, the nonlinear curve, I hope that, you know, I'd, I'd like to see every backyard have, even, even if it's just a little four by eight, um, little raised bed, or mm -hmm. if you're in a city, you know, every balcony has, you know, one person's got a tomato plant, your neighbor's got a few pepper plants, you're, the next guy's got some basil and you kind of get together and you do a little swap. Um, and, and it's about coming together and, and sharing ideas and, and meeting your neighbors, being outside, not in front of a TV all evening or on a screen. Um, it, it's, you know, getting your fingernails dirty, getting, you know, you get a little immunity kick with your getting in the dirt. So that's awesome. I'm up in Shelburne and Shelburne just launched a new community garden up here. So I've been walking the dogs past it every day. And it's just, it's so nice to see how everyone can come out. Those who don't have a yard can come and, um, or those who do still can come and help out at the community garden. Mm -hmm. I love it. Um, it's just, it's awesome. I also like how you get so excited about this, uh, Gary, that you lose words. Like it's, it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, I love that kind of excitement because that's not something you can fake, right? That's, that's genuine passion. Um, and clearly you're, you're super excited about the highs. Um, so I'm going to be the devil's advocate. And I'm going to throw it out there. What are some difficulties that maybe some people run into uh, or challenges when it comes to um, vegetable gardens and urban farming? 
Uh, for me, uh, last year, personally myself, I struggle with pests, bugs. Um, that, that, that's a big challenge, and that varies year to year. Um, you know, moving to this new place, I have to deal with a little bit more of the wildlife. Um, you know, there's rabbits and there's chipmunks a little bit more. Uh, you know, there's more of them around. Um, but, there, there, you know, there's lack of rain. You know, it's kind of dry right now. We had a little bit of rain last night, but the, the farmer and me is like, oh, it wasn't quite enough. You know, I could go for some more. Um, you know, I'll do my little happy rain dance when we get a little bit of rain. Uh, but the, yeah, there's lots of challenges. And, and that's part of um, being at the mercy of Mother Nature. And that's something that's enjoyable to you're connected to nature. You're, you're, you're like, OK, it hasn't rained. It hasn't rained or, oh, no, it's rained too much or it's been too hot or it's, uh, it's been too cold. Uh, you know, it, that, that connection with Mother Nature is, is something I, I thoroughly enjoy as well. But yeah, there, there, there is a lot of challenges uh, that things can go wrong. People often ask me, like, you know, uh, what's the easiest thing to grow? And, you know, everyone kind of thinks tomatoes is what is the easiest thing to grow. Tomatoes is one of the trickiest things that the slightest little thing can go wrong and wreck your, you know, you got hundreds of little tomatoes on your plant and then you come out two days later and they're all rotten or split or, and it can happen so quickly. Um, yeah, there's a lot of little things and, and, and you learn and that's the best part about it is it, it get your kids involved and they can carry that on. And, and it's a, it's a big one, big science experiment. And that's something else I love about it. So. So to piggyback on that, um, being how some of these, uh, a, lot, well, a lot of people who live in subdivisions, you hear these commercials uh, before of like call, I think you had to call someone like having a scan before you dig. These are real problems that people have to look at before they start just, digging gardens in their yard and especially their front yard am i correct um it depends what you're doing but like if you're getting some fences involved and stuff like that you definitely gotta yeah, you gotta call before you dig but you know, generally speaking if as long as you're not going three feet down um you're, you're pretty good to go um you know if you're telling your backyard um, you shouldn't have a, a, any worries there um and and even your front yard as long as you know where the little water little main spout is and stuff like that generally speaking you're, you should be all right but yeah it's when you start getting into putting up a, a fence and, and stuff like that is when you gotta worry about that so just an fyi i did dig and i my neighbor came out and they lost cable oh. <laughs> <laughs> so the cable was a little bit um shallow okay yeah. so someone didn't do their job right then um, sure, I'll blame somebody else, but yes, you <laughs> and I hit the cable. <laughs> Gary, I find sometimes, and you mentioned a word that frightens people, and that's science. And uh, I love science personally, but I know that there's people out there like, oh my gosh, chemistry, uh, like soil, biology. What advice can you give people who have a fear of gardening? How do I start? Uh, that, that's a tough question. I often get like, you know, what do I do to my soil to make it grow good? Well, most people have pretty good soil to begin with. Um, generally speaking, uh, in a suburban area, a decent amount of topsoil is brought in. You know, someone's might have sprayed it with some chemicals to treat the grass or whatever like that. But you take off that grass, generally speaking, you got usually a good 12 inches of good topsoil and a little bit of a little bit of compost um, goes a long way. And, and then from that, it, it, it's not really like, I don't really get into 
the 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 ins and outs of the the nitrogen and and all that it, you provide it with a, a good base and, and go from there obviously there's a little bit of acidity issues and stuff like that but you know that's part of the learning okay something what what didn't grow there let's try something that in the news there again next year, something a little different. Let's add a little bit of compost to it and, and let's see what happens. You know, in my new place, I took down two very big spruce trees. And last year there was obviously some problem areas where the, the soil wasn't as good. And I can still see that this year, the soil is still not all that great in those spots, but you know, I'm going to next year, I'll add even more compost in to that spot. And I'll, and I'll, I'll check the acidity level. I got a little acidity checker and, and I'll keep trying to get it to get it right but that's that's part of the fun of it like oh that didn't work okay well let's try again next year um you don't have to get it perfect the first year you don't have to get it perfect on year 10 um it, you're, you're just you're trying and you're having fun and you're learning uh and, and mistakes happen and and when mistakes happen that's when you learn the most so can i ask you and i know you're going to hate me asking this question uh, if you were to say plant one thing that's going to be easy to grow, what would you say it would be? Beans. What are your thoughts? Beans. beans. Okay. Uh, bush, specifically bush beans. Um, the, you know, obviously things can go still wrong with that. Last year I had a lot of bugs on my beans, but even then I still got quite a few beans from despite the amount of bugs eating them. Um, but to me, beans are the, and the best thing about beans um, is they're actually a, a help fix your soil. So they actually have the, on the, on the roots, they, they get these little nitrogen, little balls that actually help fix your soil nitrogen levels, which is the thing that ultimately you want in your, in your soil to make your plants grow good. But yeah, beans is probably the, the thing I would recommend to grow. Good tip. Yeah, that's so interesting because when I was grow when I started my garden last year, my beans, um, and I had yellow beans, what are bush beans? Uh, bush beans are just so you're not growing up uh, a trellis. So oh, okay. okay. Are, you know, they grow whatever, eight, 18, 20 inches high type of thing. And that's really exactly like. how I grew the yellow beans last year. And I had them for weeks and they were huge, but not like overripe huge. And they grew amazing um, along with my peas. I think that those were the top two things that um, really took off last year. And they haven't even sprouted yet this year. So we'll see. <laughs> It's always, uh, always fun with that. Um, so you are also the Orangeville Farmers Market Manager. Um, so can you share a little bit about your passion in shopping local and what led you um, down the road to become the market manager? Uh, it, well, it's, it's, it's local. It's, it's getting to know the person who's growing your food, who's raising the cows, who's raising the, the pig. Um, is that connection with your food. Uh, and then the the opportunity was presented to me uh, to, to do it. And, uh, you know, I was like, oh, man, I have to get up my Saturdays. You know, like I haven't worked a Saturday in you know, <laughs> however many years. Right. Um, and it's an early Saturday. Yeah. I, I'm, well, I'm an early bird. That, that, the hours don't really bother me, but it's the Saturday. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I can give that up. I don't know. And then and then, you know, I, I'm at a, such a point with my jobs that actually if i if i work a saturday it's not that big of a deal because i kind of have the rest of the week to to do other things so yeah i i took the job on and um you know it's great to see to chat with the farmers every you know i go around i try to talk to every vendor every week um you know it's great to talk to 
the people in the community come out, say hello, have a great day. You know, it, it's it's that connection with your food, it's the connection with your community. Um, yeah, and you get the you know, for the most part, Saturdays, you know, throughout the summer tend to be pretty nice. You know, it's the odd one that's not very nice, but uh, you get to be outside and and, and you know, I, I I probably spend a little bit more much, a little bit more uh, of my money than I should down there on the little treats, baked treats and stuff like that. But uh, uh, yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoy enjoy it. It's very enjoyable at the, you know, the, you know you know just getting the little, the little advice from farmers uh, you know like there's the garlic guy who's been growing garlic for i don't know how many years who was part of like the garlic farmers association so i'm like if you got a little question about garlic he's he's your man you yeah. know and, and getting to know like when you're talking to the the guys who sell the beef and, and knowing like okay they they don't give them antibiotics they don't uh you know it's grass fed and, and i tell you like the summer sausage from the organic grass-fed beef is, I, I don't know if I've ever had anything that tasted so good. Uh, and it's just some dried meat with some salt and it was, and it's delicious. Um, yeah. Sounds like the perfect job. I would love that. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Let, let me know if you're resigning. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Obviously, you're involved uh, with the Orangeville Farmers Market, but if uh, someone's listening here, uh, they live outside the area. Um, what's uh, what's the reason that they should look at their farmers market or, or make the trip to Orangeville uh, when able to? Uh, why why the market? Why why go to the market over top of your traditional uh, sources of food? Uh, I won't say the S word. I'll just we'll just say traditional sources of food. Yeah. Um, I, it's, for me, it, it's your connection. It, it's knowing that uh, the food hasn't traveled very far and, and, and in a pandemic, knowing that it's been touched basically by one other person uh, before it gets to you, um, you know, particularly during these times. But yeah, that, that connection of, of getting the per- to know the person who's, who's, who's taking care of that food for you and giving them your money. I don't know, that connection is just... It's that, that's what I, when, even before I was the manager, I loved going to the market to, to talk to the, that farmer and, you know, they're trying to sell to the next person that's behind me and I'm busy chatting them up. But, um, you know, that, that connection with your food, it, it, I don't know, there's, it makes the food taste better. And it's, you know, you know, and some say that, you know, there's studies that saying, you know, you know, knowing your food, it's, it's more nutritious for your body too. Right. So, um, so yeah go to your farm local farmers markets there's lots of them they, they keep popping up year after year i know shelburne's you know they struggled with the, the pandemic kind of slowed them down but they've got something going on again this year you know there's there's lots around um they're down in the cities you know like um you know we've made trips down to my son has to go down to sick kids hospital every once in a while and you know they have a farmer's market once once a week inside sick kids hospital um you know, I actually saw one that pops up under uh, an underpass of a highway. Yeah, I was yeah. like, that's brilliant. Yeah. So, you know, th- there's lots of them out there. Um, and yeah, getting to know your farmers and, and knowing where your food comes from is, is it's a great feeling. Okay. No one's listening. It's just me and you. When's the best time to visit the market? <laughs> yeah. Come on. Yeah. First thing in the morning, right before they close, when's the best time? Eight, eight to nine. Eight to nine? Mm. Right on. Mm. 
because you're first of all there's not too many people there between eight and nine and your food's freshest then too right so you get home and it's even fresher so i like it the secrets (laughs) (laughs) i love it Gary, I, again, you mentioned the word community, and I so love community and breaking bread together in a time where we just don't see community anymore. If I'm brand new, and, and one of the things that I've, I'm embracing and I'm growing to love, I do love it actually, is the amount of people that we have come to Orangeville who aren't from here. Um, I do a lot of trail running and walking, and I see lots of people coming. So if I'm coming from outside and I've never been to a farmer's market before, what can I expect when I go into a farmer's market? Uh, there's lots of smells and sights. Um, you know, we have some ready-made foods there. You can get some falafels, you can get some samosas. There's some Caribbean food. Uh, you know, we have some live music, which doesn't get to happen very much right now. Uh, you know, there, there, there's so much, you know, like the, all the, the vegetables you can get, the, the, the fresh produce, the, the, the meats, the, you know, having a, a, a pepperette while you're walking around, just looking, um, you know, you can get coffee there. It, it's, there, there's a lot to enjoy. Um, and, and it's just, a, 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 for most people, it's about a 10 minute stroll through the market and, and you get to see so much and hear so much and say hi to, to people. And, and it's, you know, that, that little 10 minutes, most people are smiling throughout that whole, that whole trip. Um, you know, seeing kids running around and, and, and there's you know, a lot of dogs. It, it's, it's a, it's a nice experience. It's a, it's a lot more enjoyable than, than walking into, to a door and, and just aisle after aisle of, of box stuff. So I'm going to ask some logistic kind of questions. Cause you mentioned about dogs. Okay. So people bring their dogs. Do I bring money? Do I bring my bags? Do I not bring bags? Do I wear a mask? Do I not wear a mask? Is there hand sign? Like uh, if I've never been to one before, what do I need to prepare to come to the Orangeville food market or any food market when we're in a pandemic? Uh, Well, so our market is run fairly smoothly. Uh, We have hand sanitizer at the door. Masks are not mandatory at the market. Um, You know, highly recommended when you're because you, you get less than six feet when you're doing your money transactions. Um, you know, you bring your dog, make sure you, you have water for your dog. Um, there's a few vendors that sell dog treats and there's another vendor who likes the dog lover. He'll toss your dog a little bit of a pepperette. Um, yeah. It, you know, we, we have a lineup because we we're at, we have to have a capacity, um, but it, it goes quickly. Uh, what else did you ask me there? Yeah, we have hand sanitizer available. Money. Most vendors, so money, yeah. Uh, most people take the little tap. Uh, there's a few that don't, but most do now. Um, so I would recommend bringing a little bit of money because uh, there's a few vendors that don't do it. Um, but most, yeah, I would say, so we have right now we're about 26 vendors. I would say that 24 of them take the, 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 the tap. Um, you know, we encourage that, um, but yeah, bring a little bit of money and, you know, got a little bit of change for a coffee. It's, you know, it's two or $3 and, um, yeah, it's a, it's a nice experience, but yeah, we're, like I said, we had the health inspector there, um, this past week and he thought we did a, a very good job at, 
at uh, you know we have spacing in between the vendors. There's arrows on the on the in the parking lot. You know we have a controlled entrance. You know we do have people that can still it's outside or outdoors, so people can kind of get in past the barriers. But we we keep it. We we go through and we do a account to make sure we're in the capacity limits and. We think we do a pretty safe job. You know, we are in a pandemic, and we are aware that you know, some people are quite fearful of it, and other and there's other people who aren't quite as as fearful. And we try to respect everyone's um, positions, and, and we just want everyone to to enjoy themselves. You know? okay. And some people, some people aren't going to enjoy themselves because you know they'll see someone not wearing a mask and feel that they should be wearing a mask. But you know, we it, it's it's we're following. The recommendations from public health. I have one really odd question because I really never know the answer to this. Do I tip? Uh, you can if you want. Uh, I, I don't think it's a very common practice. Some, sometimes people will leave you know, a little bit of the extra change. Like, you know, if they're expecting 50 cents back, they might say, don't worry about it or whatever. But I'd say most people don't, don't tip. Okay. Haggling. I hate to be in socially awkward situation so thank you yeah no haggling yeah haggling's by all means you can try to haggle um, okay uh most people they see the the price and, the, and they go for it but sometimes you're like well if i'm buying this this and this and this you know and they add it up and whatever they say it's whatever 21 dollars will you will you take 20 right you know they, they might go for it they might not um but by all means that yeah, you can try because it Ultimately, they want to make a sale and they want to go home with less than what they, they came with. So um, by all means, go for it. I will say one nice thing about uh, where we live. We're just down the street from where the market is now. Um, and like Jackie, we, uh, my wife and I, we like to go hiking. So last year, we actually ended up coming in, grabbing some falafel. They were wrapped, threw them in the bags, went on the trail and I think three people passed us when we were like three groups passed us when we were uh, eating lunch. Every single one of them was jealous. Like, where did you get that from? Like, where do you get falafel from? We're like, oh, the Orangeville Farmer's Market. You didn't know? I'll totally check it out next time. It was, uh, it was a great little way to just pack some lunch and some snacks to, to get on the way. Yeah, they're, they're a busy little place. They just got a, they have a food truck now. So now they're set up at the market with a food truck. So they're, they're a busy little place, the uh, Rasmus falafel there uh, during the market. Mm-hmm. that's awesome and what about grocery bags uh bring your own uh, very recommend you know recommended to bring your own uh all of them will have bags um but you know by all means uh the environmentalists in me bring your own yeah for sure and one thing we i don't think we really touched on i know right now um everything is essential only the vendors um but one thing that i love about going to the farmer's market is finding those unique artesian um one-of-a-kind items like the i think it's is it live creations or live live creations creations, yeah yeah. that is my son's favorite store um he loves going and getting they she makes little uh, lego soap so it looks like lego and then inside there's a little lego piece and it has helped him wash his hands through this <laughs> pandemic so much because he always wants to get down to the new character. Um, so highly recommend her. And there's other amazing um, artesian type vendors who will be coming soon. And I'm super excited for that. Um, so kind of shifting gears a little bit. I know that you were um, the first custodian of the Orangeville Community Garden. 
Um, and you played a huge part in expanding the garden to include the food bank garden. So can you tell us a little bit more about this project? Uh, well, we, we partnered with the food bank. We, we saw that there was a need. We, we had met with the food bank about, cause we had the apple trees and stuff like that. And, and we, we kind of sat down, we uh, approached some of the other, um, uh, I think it was the Lions club about paying for the fence and we just got together and we said, let's grow as much food as we can to provide to the food bank. And, and it's kind of taken off. They, they now have an employee that usually works the garden now for them. Uh, like it's usually a, a university summer student that's paid for through a grant um, through the, through the food bank. And, and, you know, the, you know, eventually uh, when the apple trees and the pear trees and all that get a little bit bigger, we'll be taking that stuff down to them uh, as well. Any, any that doesn't, uh, end up in my hands or, or other people's hands. Um, but yeah, the, the, the food bank, Heather's done an amazing job at the food bank since, since arriving and how she's expanded. And now it's got, you know, it's got this huge, beautiful building and they got walk-in freezers. Like it's not, when you think of a food bank in the past, you think of cans and, and, and pasta and that's kind of, and some cereal and you know, maybe whatever toilet paper. Now you can get milk and cheese and, and, and fresh produce at the, it, it, it is like a, a grocery, it's like a grocery store before grocery stores, because before, before there was the grocery store that we know at the supermarket, you used to walk up to your grocer and you'd say, oh, I need some meat and some cheese and some milk. And they'd go to the back and get it and bring it out to you. Uh, it's changed a little bit from, from that. Like that's how they, they used to, but now it's, it's very much like a, a, a market and, or a, sh a shop, a supermarket. And, 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 and yeah, you can get, you know, it's not just your, your, your pasta and your, your canned foods now. So, which is great. Um, you know, there's, there, there's a lot to a food bank and, um, providing, not just providing food, but providing education about food as well. Um, how, how to prepare foods it goes a long way, uh, about with, with helping people, um, who, who may be struggling, um, mm -hmm. financially and, you know, can help you help them be healthier and, and give them more, confidence uh if they're able to like you know what I, i've always seen that at the grocery store but i have no idea what to do with it but now they they've gone into the food bank and the food bank's willing to help them you know they've done cooking classes and and, this, and stuff like that so it, it you know it's about you know providing knowledge and, and stuff like that too awesome it was great i was actually um i was talking with someone recently and they uh don't live here but i was talking about the food bank and how they have fresh products I'm like you can't get do that at a food bank i was like well yeah like if you know who your your customers are you know who your suppliers are you know the turnaround time like it perishable food is available to all people in our community and that makes me so happy the fact that you don't have to eat uh, people are not forced to eat out of containers all the time the nutrient value goes up um and I think the education uh, that Heather has put behind that is it's, it's not a food bank anymore. Um, it's a community like gem and it, I'm so happy that it's in our community. I'm so happy that the people who are involved in it are super involved in it. And those who want to get involved in it goes to my next question. If you want to plant a row, give a row, what would be some great, um, things for people to plant in their gardens that would turn around to be beneficial to the food bank like what have 
what does Heather ask you for, or what do you find works best for them? Uh, beans, carrots. Um, what else did she ask for? Uh, like peppers, um, not zucchini. <laughs> they get a lot of <laughs> zucchini. Um, what else do we? Uh, beans was a big one. Peas. Uh, I think we'll, we, we kind of go over that. So, are bit. we kind of talking like shelf stable products as well as freezable produce? Uh, yeah, but okay. but definitely like you know carrots they can sit on a shelf in it for quite a for quite a yeah. while, right? Um, you know, and, and they you don't want to show up with some weird looking squash because that that puts a, you know puts up a little barrier for people. They like oh I don't know what that is, but if they see a cucumber, if they see a carrot, they're like okay I, I can kind of get that, right? So they mm-hmm. can kind of wrap their head around that. But yeah, definitely. I know carrots was a, were a big one. Um, greens, uh, so like spinaches, uh, head lettuces. Uh, I, I know that that goes a long way as well. So familiar, familiar foods. Is yeah, a definitely. Really good yeah, way to go. Yeah, yeah, not the exotic uh, stuff like that. But yeah, definitely beans, carrots, uh, even potatoes. I, I know they they've gotten uh, in the past. I don't know where where they are this year, but they, they've had uh, some potato farmers that have been willing to give fairly substantial donations. I, I don't know where where they are this year with that, but you know the that's another thing is the the community involvement in the food bank. You know, from the volunteers right through to the people who there's farmers that are donating, you know, pounds of spinach every every week. Um, you know, it, it's great. Yeah. You know, there's she, she's snagged a lot of people into to helping out, and she's done a phenomenal job. Uh, we're lucky to have Heather in our community helping out the way she's helped out. Gary, I just really want to thank you for joining us on the Food and Fitness Podcast. But before we close off, can you share with our listeners where they can find you, what you're up to, and are there any closing words that you want to share with us? Any words of wisdom? Like, don't grow zucchini um, and give it to the food bank. Zucchini <laughs> <laughs> grows uh, everywhere. So, uh, Facebook, Gary's Urban Farms. Uh, but my, my my biggest thing is get out there and get your, your fingernails dirty. Um, have fun. Get your kids involved if you, if you have kids. Um, talk to your neighbors. You know, sh- you know, share with your neighbors. If you have extra, you know, if you have, if you grow a bunch of zucchini, you know, knock on your neighbor's door and, and leave some zucchini for them. Um, yeah, get out there and talk to people and the, the community out there, people love fresh food and they love talking about food, you know, next, next to, next to the weather in Canada, people love talking about food. Um, so get out there and yeah, get your fingernails dirty. Yeah. Enjoy yourself. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Gary. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Okay, so now it's time to talk about our personal health journeys. At the end of each episode, we connect and chat about our goals. In past episodes, we have defined our personal SMART goals, barriers that we have overcome, SMART short-term goals that will lead us to our long-term goals, and our progress. So today, let's talk about our progress and what motivates us personally to accomplish our goals and the real why um, that we are doing this. So Jackie, how are things going with conquering your goal and what is the reason why you are doing what you're doing? So 
I said I'm injury prone and I have, I'm, I'm listening to my body more so. And I kind of got injured a little bit. So I haven't run in a week and a half. Normally this would really bother me, but I'm dealing with it. And I saw a therapist and I'm moving beyond that. So that's good for me. But what I think you're talking about, Jesse, you're asking a little bit about motivation and, you know, what is our motivation to do what we're doing? So, um, I'm really interested in motivation and why we do the things and why we fall off the wagon. And oftentimes, and, and we've grown up with this sense of extrinsic motivation, meaning we get external rewards. You know, and the research says they might be good first for the first time to get us to do something, but afterwards you have to keep upping the ante. And we tend to fall off when we do things for someone else. So when it comes to school, we think that students only want marks and therefore the mark motivates us to, to study and work hard. However, when we're extrinsically motivated to get a mark, we actually don't learn as much. We don't do as well. So if stu students studied for marks and they actually did poor, you know, when they, when they were doing them for marks, they actually did poor. But when they studied for themselves with intrinsic motion, motivation, they did better. So the real reason behind why I'm doing a 50K is to prove to myself. And I've been thinking about this a lot lately and how to put it into words. And the first time doing the 50K, it was, a, it was very daunting. It was this big number that I thought it's beyond my reach. And then I did it. And as soon as I was done, I wanted to do it again because it wasn't beyond my reach. So the reason why I'm doing it is kind of solidify the nothing is out of my reach and I can do it. And I did do it before, you know, in races, you often get medals and swags. I don't care about that anymore. It's the, the sense of accomplishment and the sense of every time I do an extra kilometer, it's that, that, um, that continual uh, message to me saying, you can do it. And I, I'm, I'm my own little cheering crowd. So intrinsically, I'm doing this to reinforce kind of what I learned last year. So I don't know if that really makes sense. But Dave, maybe you can share us kind of the reason your why behind why you're doing what you're doing. So we actually, uh, sorry, I found this goal on uh, in a magazine, a digital app from a library. Uh, also, check out your library to see if you can get free digital magazines. It's a great uh, option. And they had a thousand mile challenge. And this is something that this mag uh, trail running magazine was doing. You could always send it in. And um, I opened my mouth and told my wife, who's actually just sitting up too far from me, um, about this goal. Uh, and she's like, yeah, I, I totally think that we should do that for 2021. So we're like, oh, oh OK, yeah, let's do a thousand kilometers. Um, and I think the goal was just to achieve it. Uh, was the original plan. But I think as we uh, were going further and further, I think we're, our kilometers, we're not crushing kilometers all the time. We're adding more kilometers on our run because we are doing a majority of our walking um, between work and dinner, after dinner and, and bedtime. So you, you, you can't crush, you know, 10, 12K um, in an evening uh, at the pace that we're going. But we're walking faster. Uh, we're noticing that, which is really great. Um, I'm noticing that my blood sugar is affected positively, um, in our walk. So sometimes I won't even take insulin, uh, for our, uh, evening meal and we'll just go for a walk and it'll be fantastic. And I love that. 
Um, we conquered some trails this year that we weren't able to complete last year for, um, I had a knee injury last year and it was a wicked one. It's um, on all trails is deemed as a hard and it's actually not a huge distance, but we finished it. And I didn't take that many kind of breathing breaks, which was nice. And I think there's not a huge, the goal is to crush a thousand kilometers at the end of the, uh, by the end of the year. But I think as we go, um, I'm seeing a lot more results and that's keeping me motivated. Uh, it's the little things that uh, are pushing me for the end result, And I think that's nice. And I think my wife would agree as well. She's not reacting. So I don't really know. <laughs> oh, she's not in your head now. She's okay with it. That's awesome. I think for me, um, when it comes to my smart goal, so originally my goal was to really figure out what, what was triggering um, some of the issues that I was having with my digestive system. Um, so initially it was reflux and then um, I'm not doing everything by myself. I think it's really important to recognize when you do need to see a professional. So I've been working with kind of a mini team. I have my family doctor, a naturopath and a dietitian. Um, so together we've really tried to figure out what is causing me these issues. So for me, um, my goal to figure out those trigger foods was for me, um, but it was for me in, a, in an overall health um, kind of ideal situation. So for sure, I could take pills and that would kind of mask or put a Band-Aid on the symptoms, but I really wanted to get down to the root cause and figure out what is causing these issues. And I'm really happy to say that over the last couple of months since we started this podcast, I've really stuck to writing my goals down in that journal, finding some recipes, um, and with the help of the health professionals, have really started to see a huge improvement in my symptoms. Um, I still have some symptoms, but they're definitely not as severe as they were before and they're more manageable. I can figure out what is causing me the issues um, and try to avoid those things. So um, I definitely am gonna continue with doing what I'm doing, but I think it's safe to say at this point that I have achieved that original goal. Um, so I've really been thinking, okay, so what's my next step? And in recent chats with um, you know, my, my health team, um, one thing that has kept popping up is stress. And I don't think with this pandemic, there is a single person who hasn't had their stress affected. Um, for me personally, so I am a mom to a five-year-old. Uh, he'll be actually be turning six this weekend, um, but he's in senior kindergarten and senior kindergartens were not meant to be online learning. They were meant to learn uh, from playing and, and being in school. So um, just balancing for me the at-home work and the online learning and the million other things that as a mom I have to take care of in a day. Um, I think my exercise and my personal downtime has just gone to the wayside. I have friends who look at everything I'm doing and one actually just commented the other day they're like I have no idea how you do it all and I'm like no I don't do it all stuff gets put on the back burner um, and I don't focus on me. So really thinking about what my next SMART goal is going to be um, comes down to that stress. So um, one of the 
symptoms that I'm having um, with acid reflux and IBS, a lot of the health professionals um, do think that it's not, it might not be food related, it might be stress related. So I really want to get my stress level under control and really focus on myself. So going into the month of June, um, my new goal is to reduce stress and give myself more downtime, which is easier said than done because you really have to prioritize and put yourself first, which is something that I do not do. Um, so I know it's a little different than what you guys had chatted about, but I just kind of want to go over what my new SMART goal is and kind of define that. And I think from there, it will come out with what the why is, um, which I think I kind of touched on a little bit of why I'm doing this. Um, but yeah, so starting with the S, um, starting today, I will practice at least one stress reduction exercise um, each day for one month. And I'm just going to start it with the one month time and then adapt and see how things go. Um, but I'm going to keep a journal to keep track uh, when I notice myself getting stressed. Um, and also I'm going to keep wearing this little guy on my wrist, my Fitbit, um, to keep track of my daily exercise. And it's going to prompt me, let me know how things are going. Um, I'm going to take daily walks or bike ride. Um, or an exercise class if and when hopefully the gyms open up and focus on my breathing when I feel stressed. Um, I'm going to research different ways to reduce my stress and discuss my goal regularly with my support team. And I have to say, just being um, a part of this podcast the last three months, you guys are really huge in my support team. Um, so we will definitely be chatting about that. And um, in one month, I'm going to reevaluate my goals and see how things go and uh, change and adapt from there. I love it. Love it. Specific. Can I give you, you think about this. Can you rate your stress on a daily basis? Zero to 10. 10 is the maximum amount of stress you've ever felt. Zero is comatose. See, I think I'm really good at just pushing things to the side and saying, oh, it's fine. Everything's fine. Um, but I know it's not fine. I know that while I'm trying to work and get my work done, while my little guy is like, hey, mom, what is three plus seven plus five when he's supposed to be paying attention to language um, while everything else is going on? That point of my day is probably an 11. Um, but if you ask me, I'll just say, oh, everything is fine. It's all good. Um, so I think I really need to be more aware. And I think that's where the journal and writing down those moments is really going to help me. Um, because I really do try to kind of fluff things up and make sure, like, make it seem like it's all good. Um, but there are moments that are hard and difficult. And I think just being more aware of how those are and how I can kind of change what I'm doing in those moments to reduce some of the stress or just take a break and say, okay, this isn't working. Let's go do something else in those times. Um, but really just being more aware of all of that. Um, Cause I, I try to sugarcoat everything and say, oh, I'm not stressed, it's all good. Um, but you know, as a mom and working from home, 
online learning, it's not easy. So we will uh, take it day by day and moment by moment and hopefully writing down in the journal um, will make me more aware of those moments and um, I can find ways to change the stress levels in those, in those times. I am excited to hear how it goes and I'm excited to see what techniques or hear what techniques you use, what works and what doesn't. And I think, as I mentioned, I think a couple of weeks ago, there are a million, and I know I'm being conservative, other people who are in your boat. Mm -hmm. There's at least one here. I don't know if there's two, but um, yeah, two. <laughs> so we're excited to learn from you as well. That's awesome. Well, thanks guys. Um, so I'm really excited to see how our goals all together, uh, which are very different, how we can tackle those and kind of lean on each other for support over this next little bit. So until next time, we'll talk food. We'll talk fitness. And we'll do it together. Thanks for watching this week's episode of the Food and Fitness Podcast. Tune into our next episode where we sit down to talk with Tracy Stewart, a two-time world rowing champion and Olympic bronze medalist who also has her master's of science degree, holds a chef's diploma from the Natural Gourmet Institute in Culinary Arts, and to top it off, she is married and mom to two little girls.